Good morning. Welcome to New Sharon United Methodist Church. I have these fears that this sermon is being watched by church members, friends, and family who are worshiping this morning in a rather casual manner. There's John in his gym shorts slathering peanut butter on toast as the gospel's being proclaimed in his kitchen. Joyce is in her bedroom slippers as she reads the latest Ann Tyler novel, kind of one eye in the book and one eye on the screen. And I bet dollars to donuts that my own father has the television tuned to Gunsmoke and for the next half hour, I'll be vying for his attention over against the likes of Marshall Dillon, Festus, Chester, Doc, and Miss Kitty. But in all honesty, it kind of goes along with this Sunday, the Sunday after Easter. After the trumpet peal, the soaring hallelujahs, the gospel proclamation, he is risen indeed. After all the fanfare and the lilies, well, that was Easter Sunday. That was then. And this is, well, in the tradition of the Christian church, the Sunday after Easter is known as Low Sunday. Things have settled down, and the intense joy of Easter has somewhat faded. So our voices may be a little low. In a normal Easter season, the Sunday after Easter often finds churches with their lowest worship attendance of the year. So perhaps even our spirits are low this Sunday. Things are not going according to plans right now. The world is struggling to make sense of life in the midst of death. It's enough to make everything about life feel low. The Apostle Thomas understands that feeling. We are not sure why Thomas was not with the rest of the disciples on that Easter evening when Jesus appeared. But at some point during the week after Easter, Thomas makes contact with the rest of the disciples. They proclaim to Thomas the glorious Easter message in its bare simplicity. We have seen the Lord. Thomas, uh, unless I see the mark of the nail in his hands and put my hand in his side, I will not believe. And within a span of about 12 seconds, Thomas' life is forever labeled, eternally tagged with doubt. You know, Peter denied that he ever knew Jesus three times, but we do not label him as Peter the denier. Paul used to threaten, persecute, and push for the death of the first believers, but we do not call him Paul the persecutor. Moses killed a man with his bare hands, and yet the Bible says... Never has there arisen a prophet in Israel like Moses. 
He is revered as Moses the prophet, not Moses the murderer. But Thomas will be forever connected to a 10 to 15 second reply of disbelief, doubting Thomas. If you dig down in your soul, you've done the same thing. You have been presented with something good, something gracious, something undeserved or unexpected, and you have doubted it. We have all done that somewhere along life's journey. You've doubted your parents, or you have doubted your name. Some of you have doubted your spouse, your marriage. You've doubted your children. You've doubted your abilities or your determination. Perhaps you've doubted your calling or even doubted your faith. Some have even doubted God. And if we are to take Jesus at face value, he can handle that. Now, I am not encouraging doubt. I am just saying that God understands it. For it is out of struggles with doubt and confusion that a stronger faith is forged. So, Thomas is standing there listening to this astonishing news about how Christ appeared to them and how he blessed them. And how he breathed the Holy Spirit into their midst. And how he gave them a commission for the forgiveness of sins. Perhaps Thomas was a pessimist. It could be that he was a pragmatist. But we can imagine him there listening to them. He looks at Peter and he thinks to himself, Yeah, you're the one to talk. Coldly denying him. While well, you warmed yourself standing by that fire. Then Thomas looks over at James and John and he thinks to himself, and you too. While Jesus is humbly washing your feet, you are calling dibs on seats next to him in the kingdom of heaven. Call it pessimism, call it pragmatism, call it judgmentalism. The only reason Thomas was singled out as a doubter was because he wasn't there. He didn't get to see what the other disciples saw for themselves. They saw firsthand the evidence. All Thomas had was their word for it. Thomas had to believe them. And he is simply not falling for it. So however we try to dice it up, Thomas is the odd man out. Just because he wasn't there on that Easter evening, Thomas is stuck with this lingering tag of doubt. But we all know people like that. Those who need to be contrary, if for no other reason than just because. You live in a university town and Everyone cheers for the football team, all except for one or two who want to be at odds. I heard a friend once describe a neighbor. 
A man who was a lone dissenter, swimming against the tide, he said, I'll tell you just how cantankerous he is. He doesn't like Dolly Parton, and he hates Chick-fil-A. I mean, what kind of person doesn't like Dolly Parton and Chick-fil-A? Thomas wanted to see the proof, and until he did, he had to doubt, be the outcast, be the lone dissenter. Until I see the marks, until I touch his side. Because Thomas knew. Thomas knew what they, those who got rid of Jesus, Thomas knew what they had done to him just a few days earlier. How they nailed him to that rough-hewn cross and then pierced his side to make sure that he was a goner. And what they did to him on that Friday was the same thing that they had been doing to Jesus all along. How they smirked at his origins. Unwed, teenage mother, lowly Bethlehem, carpenter's son, uneducated, poor, backwoods, itinerant, wannabe preacher. How they mocked him for his sermon stories, his parables, how they scoffed at his miracles, how they derided his penchant for helping questionable women and suspect men, how they taunted him for knowing the scriptures like the back of his hand, how they turned people against him and even bribed one of his closest disciples. Thomas needed to know that that same beaten, spat upon, crucified, and pierced Jesus of Nazareth was the same mysterious figure the other disciples were trying to convince him was alive and risen. Only then could Thomas believe that his friend and his Lord, Jesus of Nazareth, did not die in vain. Only then would Thomas believe that Jesus' resurrected life was the hope for every life, that God was redeeming every hurt and scarred life in the life and death and resurrection of this same Jesus. Well, one week later, the disciples were huddled in the house, hiding in fear from those who would try to do them harm, but this time, this Sunday night, Thomas is with them. And the risen Jesus says, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand. Put it in my side. Do not doubt me. Believe in me. And in that moment, doubt vanished and faith grew. Faith overcame fear, and hope replaced all sorrow. Do you believe because you see me, Thomas? Blessed are those who have not seen, and yet, despite that, they have come to believe in. I used to 
pastor a church in the mountains of North Carolina, and so when my parents would come down from Pennsylvania to visit, I would have stored up a list of places to visit and things to do for them to see during their brief visits. The visits could last only a few days because my mother was on dialysis. And I wanted to take them up to a way-off-the-road vista called Wiseman's View. Wiseman's View is nothing more than a trail leading out to a few steps and a rock ledge. But from that perch, you are able to behold a panoramic view of the Linville Gorge. Absolutely beautiful. To get there, you have to meander four miles of dirt road with gorges all their own. Now, my mother, I should tell you, was blind. And she was not thrilled with that road up that ditch-filled path. But we get there just as the sun has burnt off the last of the morning fog. Dad and I guide her down the path, the steps, and out onto the plateau for viewing that beautiful gorge. And as I held her steady, I said, What do you think, Mom? And she said, It's beautiful just like you said. And in that exchange between mother and child is the kind of faith Jesus needs us to believe in during times such as these. So that although we may not be able to see how God is going to bring good out of all this suffering and death, Although we cannot see a way to hold tight much longer, although we are struggling to make it day by day, we must still believe that the risen Jesus is our Lord and our God. What do you think, Mom? It's beautiful, just like you said. Blessed are those who have not seen, and yet they have come to believe. Amen.